Let's go ahead and get into our message this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter number 1, and we'll begin with verse number 1. Paul says here in his salutation to the church at Philippi, he says in verse 1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Notice that Paul refers to himself and Timothy as the servants of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to preach to you this morning on the subject, a portrait of a servant. Would you please bow your heads with me and let's ask the Lord's blessings on the live stream message today. Heavenly Father, it's good to be here in your house. It's good to open up the Word of God. We thank you for the technology that has enabled us to um, to minister and to preach the Word of God and to stay connected as a church family. We pray, Father, that you'd bless our Temple Baptist Church family and, Lord, uh, parents and, Lord, uh, children. And, uh, Lord, regardless of age, we pray, Father, for safety and for grace. We pray for those that are not part of our church family but are listening to the broadcast. We ask a special uh, blessing and grace upon them as well. We pray that you'd use this message for your glory and honor, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Paul often referred to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. And as you study the Bible, there are many characters in the Bible whose lives paint the picture of a servant. I read about men like Moses, in which God himself referred to Moses as, quote, my servant, end quote. He did the same about Caleb. God spoke in the scriptures of Joshua, Moses' uh, pred- uh, Moses' successor, and he referred to him as the servant of the Lord. David the psalmist spoke of himself as the Lord's servant, and then the Lord also spoke of David, Isaiah, as his servant. And then, interestingly, we find that the Lord actually spoke of Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king, as his servant. Obviously, God is sovereign, and God in his providence, he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us, and that plan and purpose is that we be servants of him. I'd like to take just a little while here this morning and paint a scriptural picture of what a servant is. If Paul referred to himself and Timothy as the servants of Jesus Christ, then I think we can look at these men. We don't have time to look at all of the characters in the Bible that are referred to as servants, but there are some principles about being a servant that the Bible says much about, and it says it very, very crystal clear. The first point I'd like to paint or draw out here this morning is that the servant stands alone, but he doesn't serve alone. In Romans 14 and verse number 4, the Bible says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. So obviously, as servants of Christ, we stand alone, and we've, we've got to recognize, like we're seeing on our Wednesday Bible study, is that we all have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of ourself on how, if and how, we served the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But you know, it's interesting that Paul, who wrote Romans 14, also said in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 1, he said, we then as workers together with him. And so we are servants of Christ and we stand alone, but we don't serve alone. You know, the, a picture is, a painting is very complex. And by the way, I, I have little, if any, artistic talent. I've tried to paint. Uh, I can draft, but I cannot draw. Uh, I can do technical things, but things that require creativity and imagination. There's something about paintings that are just too complex for my simple one-track mind to be able to grasp. I do know that, and I've read about this, that artists have to understand that every painting has multiple layers. And that artist has to be able to blend and contrast different lights and elements in that painting in order to draw attention where the attention needs to be drawn. I remember Thomas Kincaid paintings. Uh, I always enjoyed seeing how Thomas Kincaid could take light and and just make it look so real and the attention in his paintings were always drawn toward the element of light in those paintings. I don't know how he did that, but he knew how, and he was able to accomplish that. And uh, many, many people, thousands and thousands, have enjoyed his paintings. It's the same way with our service of the Lord Jesus Christ. We stand alone. Uh, just like a painting may have a focal point, a center point, but yet there's all kinds of elements surrounding that that have to work together in order for that painting to be attractive. And it's the same way with the servants of Jesus Christ. We're all going to give an account individually. We don't have any right or justification to judge uh, another man's servant. Uh, but we need to understand also that we have to learn how to work together if we're to be servants of Jesus Christ. God isn't looking for lone wolves. He's looking for sheep that can cooperate and get along and follow him and all work together. That brings me to my second point this morning, and that is this. A servant is special, but he's not a celebrity. I have to be honest with you, in this day and age of media, and I'm thankful that we have the technology to be able to bring the Word of God to you today. So there are things about technology and social media that are a tool and are a plus, a positive, if you will. But I also know in this day and age that um, servants or so-called servants of God are often um, bit with the celebrity bug. And they they get really enamored with their followers and how many hits they get on their social media and so forth. And they start doing things just to draw attention to themselves. I have little use for these celebrity preachers because we are not called to be celebrities. We are special, but we are not to be celebrities. John 12 Verse number 26, Jesus, now in my Bible, this is red letters. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. You know, one of the joys of being a servant of Jesus Christ is we get to follow him. And if we follow him, 
then we get to be where he is. I know as a pastor, I had to learn, and, and you know, I don't know that you ever just totally learn everything that's important. We always have a tendency of reverting back to old habits. But one thing that I had to learn was that everything didn't depend upon me. I know that Dr. Lee Robertson said everything rises and falls on leadership. I don't undervalue the importance or the place of leadership. But I can remember a time in my ministry where I felt that everything depended upon what I did. And God had to teach me that it's His work, it's His ministry. And what I needed to do is quit trying to make things happen, quit trying to hold things together, and just start focusing on serving the Lord and pleasing Him, preaching the whole counsel of God, loving people the best that I know how, and let God take care of His business, because it is His business. I'm glad that I get to be a part of it. I'm glad that I'm special, but I'm not a celebrity and neither should you be. We're not in this to get attention or glory or recognition. And for that matter, we don't even do it for the gratitude. But um, we also need to understand that Jesus said in John 15 and verse number 15, he said, henceforth, from here on out, Jesus is saying, I call you not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You know, it's interesting. We are special in the sense that God reveals things to his children, to his friends, if you will. We're not just hired servants. We are also considered friends. But not only are we friends, but the Bible teaches that we are sons. Now, Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1, Paul, as he's trying to, to get the Galatian Christians to understand this concept of adoption and sonship and inheritance of God's people, he said in verse 1 of chapter 4, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. So in other words, a son growing up in his father's household, if a father, let's say, for instance, he was a farmer or grew crops, he may have hired servants that would work the field. But that son, who was also the heir and was going to inherit everything that the father had, he was expected to, to grab a hoe or a rake or a shovel and get out in the field and work side by side with those hired servants. Folks, we are not just hired servants. We are children of God, servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we are still expected to roll up our sleeves and do the same dirty work of of hired servants. But the beauty of it is that we're not just doing it for the end of the day wages, but we're doing it because we are heirs. And as we labor in the field of our Heavenly Father, one of these days, We're going to inherit the fruit and the results of all of that labor. You know, someone once said that a man will fight more valiantly for that which he believes is his. And there there is a lot of truth to that. We will work, we will labor and serve more diligently if we understand and recognize that we're not doing it For another person, we're doing it for our own inheritance, and primarily we're doing it for our Savior, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Not for the results, but for a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. That brings me to the next point of a portrait of a servant. Number three, a servant is great, but he's not big. John 15 and verse number 20, once again, red letters, Jesus speaking. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. So as servants, there should be nothing about our life that emanates that we think that we're better than Jesus Christ. In Matthew 20, verse number 26, he said, Whomsoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So one of the main elements in the portrait of a servant is that we look at Jesus Christ and we try to live the same kind of selfless, sacrificial, serving, ministering to others type of life as he did. Now, one thing I know about Jesus is Jesus was never self-conscious of his own feelings. My, my, I've had times in my own life where my own feelings have gotten the best of me. Maybe a little bitterness here, a little anger, a little resentment, maybe feeling underappreciated or whatever the case may be. And I've allowed those little things to put me into a state of discouragement. And then as that discouragement began to to build up and grow and fester, then it became depression until pretty soon I've got the mentality of what's the use? I might as well give up. I might as well quit. How many times as a pastor have I seen people that get saved or get right with the Lord and they get faithful uh, serving in the church and then something comes along or maybe they feel that they're not being appreciated and then they just get off track thinking that it's just not worth it. Listen, brothers and sisters, we are not great or excuse me, we are great, but we are not big. We're not supposed to start thinking about ourselves and our own feelings. In Matthew 23, verse number 10, Jesus went on to say this, Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. That word abased, it's the same root word as basement. Uh, you try to lift yourself up, God says, I'm going to put you in the basement. But he says that he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. If we will put ourselves in the basement and recognize that we don't deserve. You know, the bottom line is if we never have anyone that gets saved, if we never say have anyone that says thank you, or shows any appreciation for our service or our ministry, the bottom line is we should be grateful with the fact that we just get to have a part of something that God's doing. If we would look past people and see Jesus Christ and realize that He has never, ever forgotten our labor. You know, I know a lot of times people do things behind the scenes, and, and they're unsung heroes. And some people do things so faithfully and invisibly 
that I've had times where I've taken them for granted. Times when I should have expressed gratitude and acknowledged uh, how thankful that they are, uh, that, that we are for them and what a great job that they've done. I have failed in that area and I'm certain that I will fail again. But the bottom line is, is that Jesus has never failed in that area. He is never unrighteous and he has never forgotten our work and our labor of love. The servant is great, but he is not big. You know, an old, uh, old famous, uh, uh, book from years ago by John Milton entitled Paradise Lost. There's a quote in that book in which one of the characters says, it is better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. And you know, there are a lot of people who, who really down deep feel that way, but that is such a sad way to live their life because the person that feels that way has never experienced the true joy of being a servant of Jesus Christ. John 13 and verse number 16, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Watch what he says in verse number 17. If ye know these things, happy are ye, if you do them, nothing could be more, bring more happiness in our life than to just simply be servants of Jesus Christ. That brings me to point number four regarding the servant. He does many things, but he has a single purpose. He does many things, but he has a single purpose. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 33, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. One thing that we've got to remember is that a basic element of a servant has to do with a desire to please. You know, everyone is a servant of someone or something. And it all boils down to who or what are we trying to please. The servant says, I please all men in all things. But I want you to see a very subtle contrast in this portrait when Paul says to the church at Galatians, uh, chapter 1, verse 10, he says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Notice this little subtle contrast of color in this portrait where Paul says, I please all men in all things. And there's a motive behind that. It's not to impress men, but it's to reach men. Because he says, if I'm trying to please men in the sense of trying to impress them or seeking their favor or their acceptance, then when I do that, then I cease to be the servant of Jesus Christ. Listen, brothers and sisters, you cannot have this modus operandi of trying to please everyone and still be a servant of Jesus Christ. You have to. You do many things, but you have to maintain that singular person purpose. Someone once said this, God did not save you for a sensation. He saved you for a purpose. In Luke 16, in verse number 13, Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters. 
For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, Jesus gives an example of, of serving two masters, serving God or mammon. That would be money or things or possessions or the economy, if you will. That is one example. But the principle behind that can apply to many, many things. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. If you try, you're going to end up loving one and despising the other. At some point, two masters, two voices, two authorities, two motivations, they're going to collide in purpose, and a decision, a choice is going to have to be made. If we're servants of Jesus Christ, then we've got to recognize the fact that we cannot have multiple purposes in our life. Yes, we do many things, but we have one singular purpose. William James believed that every person should do at least one unpleasant act of service each and every day. He said it's like the the youth of mythology, and I know you've probably heard this story. Uh, This youth was told to pick up a newborn calf in the field every day. Of course, when that calf was newborn, this youth could pick it up with ease. And every day he would go out into the field and pick up the calf. As the calf slowly and gradually began to grow, without even recognizing it, that youth became stronger and stronger and stronger. In the same sense, we need to learn how to do the unpleasant things each and every day so that we can maintain a servant's heart. I um, I was having um, a meal with a missionary family one time, and of course missionaries travel from church to church, and churches take up love offering, and I know we try to be very conscientious of showing hospitality and generosity to our missionary guests, our special speakers, and so forth. And I remember this missionary said that he, he asked if he could do something for us because he said this. He said, our life is traveling around from church to church. And he said, all that we do is we get churches that do things for us. And what happens is it changes our mentality. And something that used to be a blessing, we get used to it and it becomes a sense of entitlement. And he said, we want to make sure that we stay sharp and that we stay in the giving mode and not the receiving mode. And I thought, wow, that really says a lot about the character of this missionary and his family. And, you know, regardless of what we do, whether we are missionaries, pastors, parents, Sunday school teachers, whatever your walk in life, it is so vital that we maintain that desire to serve even when it means doing the dirty work. And that brings me to number five, and that is this. The servant is used, but he is not abused. In Luke chapter 17, this is a very interesting story. In fact, I would say that the um, that the labor union uh, bosses would have a hard time with this um, this particular story that Jesus told. But let me go ahead and read it to you. Chapter 17, verse 7 of Luke's Gospel. Jesus said, But which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, By and by, when he has come from the field, 
go and sit down to meet. What he's saying is if you hired somebody and they're out there working hard, they're plowing. Plowing is a hard work. I mean, it is it is rough. When you get done plowing, when you get done feeding those cattle, you are tired, you are hungry. And Jesus says in verse 8, And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. So Jesus is saying that in the realm of master and servant, that the person who's the servant, even though he's worked all day, when he comes in from the field, he's still required to serve rather than be served. And he says in verse number 9, Doth he thank that servant because he did those things which were commanded him? I trow not. Uh, what does I trow not mean? He means I, I, think, I think not. I don't think so. That's not the way it works, Jesus is saying. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Folks, we are used, but we are not abused. If I could say this to all of you parents that are watching, it is so vital that we train our children right in this respect. We are living in the day and age where everything has to be fair. I'm not saying that we should ever be unjust, but I know that fair is something that is expected and even demanded in modern culture. I find that parents allow their children to hold them hostage by this concept of fair. I, I know when I was a, a child, uh, I think maybe one time I said to my parents, that's not fair. And uh, I, I learned real quickly that I should never, ever say that again. You know, life truly is not fair. And when we instill this concept in our children that everything in life has to be fair, I submit to you here this morning that the concept of being a servant of Jesus Christ will have no appeal in our children's heart and mind when they become adults. They, they're not going to be able to just flip a switch and all of a sudden have a servant's heart. And so part of being a servant is to understand that we are used, but we are not abused. Jesus told a parable about a man who hired servants to go out in his field, and they all set the wage. They said, yes, Lord, we'll go and work for a penny a day. And others came later on in the day, and he sent them out into the field. And finally, with one hour left in the workday, there was a bunch of people in the marketplace, and this master said to them, go out into the field and labor, and I'll, he said, I'll take care of you. I'll do whatever's right. At the end of the day, every single one of them, regardless of whether they worked all day or one hour, the master gave them each one penny. Now, those that had served all day, they, they thought that's not fair. We expect to get more. But the bottom line is they're the ones that set the wage. They're the ones that agreed for a penny. And the Lord, he paid them exactly what he told them he would pay them. That doesn't make him unjust or unfair. It just makes him a man of his word. I remember many years ago, I guess it'd be 36 years ago, thereabouts, that my life was a mess in sin. 
And I had just about destroyed everything about my life, my conscience. Uh, I mean, so many different things were a mess. And I was at the point where I just couldn't even believe that God could forgive me. I had done so many things and knew better. I knew that I shouldn't. Uh, I knew what sin was. And I did it anyways. And I got to the point where I was in desperation. And I remember telling the Lord, Lord, if you'll just forgive me, if you'll just receive me back, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll be anything that you want me to be. I'll go anywhere that you want me to go. In that time of desperation, it was easy. But you know, as time has went on, I find myself a little less content with doing anything for the Lord. I find myself a little bit more picky, a little bit more choosy. And you know, we've got to guard ourselves from that mentality, folks, and understand the fact, and it is a fact, that we are used, but we are not abused. Think about what Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 24 says, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You know, folks, we may serve and labor, we may do hard, hard work, as servants of Jesus Christ. And we may never see the fruition. We may never see the fruit of our labors come to fruition. We may never experience the success. Our life may just be labor, 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 hardship, hardship, hardship. But the good news is, is that when it is all said and done, when we stand before our Lord, we will receive the reward of the inheritance. Now that takes some faith. But folks, we've got the promise of God's word that our labor will not be in vain in the Lord. So be steadfast, be unmovable, allow the Lord to use you. He may not always be what we consider fair, but he will always be just and he will never forget our work and our labor of love will be used, but will never be abused. As I close the message this morning in conclusion, I'd like to say this, that the term servant is a job description and not a job title. How often have we had to call people? Of course, nowadays, you you know, customer service means talking to someone in a foreign country that you don't even understand their accent. And how frustrating is that when you're trying to get help and you're trying to get answers and you don't have a clue what they're saying. You know, customer service, uh, have you ever talked to someone on the phone and they answer and say, I work for customer service, only to find out that customer service was their title and not their description? How often do we try to get customer service and we find that all they're doing is taking care of their company, but they're not taking care of the customer? In the same sense, we've got to understand that as servants of Jesus Christ, there are many out there that claim to be servants, but it's a title and it's not a job description. In Romans chapter 16, in verse number 18, this is a heartbreaking verse, where Paul said, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly." And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You know what we've got here? We've got people who are acting or pretending 
to be servants of Jesus Christ, they may be in ministry. I think there are probably pastors, preachers, evangelists, missionaries that would fall in this category. In the book of Malachi, chapter 1, verse number 6, God is pleading with Israel, who he repeatedly in the, in the Old Testament scripture referred to as Jacob, his servant. And he's pleading with them. And he said, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? It's one thing to say that we are servants of God. It's another thing to be servants of God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 23, he said, ye are bought with a price. We know what that price is. That price is the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. We're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. What kind of life, or excuse me, what kind of picture is your life painting? Are you one of these that'll say that I'll preach, but I won't do the busy work? I'll work, I'll serve, but then I'm going to complain after I do it. I'll show up, but I won't prepare. I'll just wing it and just kind of give everything a lick and a promise. Folks, Christianity and the church is filled with people that want the limelight, want the credit, but don't want to roll up their sleeves and do the dirty work as servants of Jesus Christ. There was a man by the name of Bishop Tucker of Uganda who was both an artist as well as a minister. How did he become a minister? Well, one day he was painting a picture of a poor, wretched woman, homeless, deserted in the street on a stormy night. And as he painted this picture and as it began to develop, suddenly he takes his brush and he throws it down on the floor and he exclaimed, instead of merely painting the lost, I will go out and save them. And you know, that painting, as he's painting it, the Holy Spirit was speaking to his heart, and he decided rather than paint a picture, I'm going to do something about it. And he went to Africa as a missionary and spent the rest of his life there trying to reach people for God. A budding artist once painted a portrait of the Lord's Supper. This young artist took his uh, uh, painting to the great Russian writer Tolstoy and asked him for his opinion. As the Russian writer Tolstoy started to look at that painting and he examined it for what seemed like uh, 10, 15 minutes, this young artist is wondering, what is the great Tolstoy going to say? What is his opinion of my painting? Finally, Tolstoy broke his silence and he looked at the artist and he said, you do not love him. The, writer, the, the artist said, why, that is the Lord Jesus he exclaimed, I know, replied Tolstoy, but if you loved him more, you would paint him better. Folks, if we loved him more, we would paint him better. Are you a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? What kind of a portrait is your life painting? What a joy, what a privilege, what a blessing to be called the servants of Jesus Christ. If you're not serving Him today, I'd like to encourage you to bow on your knees. You don't have to be in a church service. You don't have to be at an altar. You can be right there in your living room. 
You can be wherever you are and you can bow your heart and say, Lord, I haven't been serving you as I ought to. I've been living selfishly. I've been looking for credit and glory and approval and I need to quit being a servant of men and start being the servant of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that You'd take and use this message today in the hearts of those that hear. We pray for those that perhaps may hear it at a later time. Whatever the case may be, we pray, Father, that this message would be used, Lord, to move people's hearts to being servants of Jesus Christ. Lord, there is such a need in today's society for more servants of Christ. And we pray, God, that perhaps maybe at least one person would become a servant of Christ because of this message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it's been a joy to be with you here today. We appreciate you joining us and trust that you'll have a wonderful afternoon. We look forward to, I I would say look forward to seeing you on Wednesday, but I guess we look forward to you seeing us on Wednesday. And uh, continue to stay in prayer, continue to stay in the Word of God, and uh, try to be just uh, as normal as you can in your life and continue to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Can't make a lot of visits. Can't be around a lot of people, but we've got phones, we've got different uh, methods and avenues in which we can still make a difference and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have a great day.